Hello, and welcome to our Bomber podcast series titled The Eyes of Automation, where we will explore new technologies and hot topics in machine vision. My name is Kara Parati, and today we will discuss how you can get started with smart cameras for AI applications, specifically the Bomber AX camera series with integrated AI core. Before our guests share their experiences utilizing Bomber smart cameras, I have asked my fellow machine vision specialist, Mike Nagel, to give a brief overview of the Bomber AX camera series. Mike has worked extensively with these cameras, and if you want to hear more from him, you can access a full webinar on our website. Thank you for being here to give us a little more background, Mike. Hi, Kara. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to share some background on Bomber smart cameras, especially our AX series smart camera. Over the past several years, image processing has been changing. It has become much more prevalent and widespread across all industries. We believe this is due to a variety of factors, including an increase in image quality and an increase in computing power, allowing you to process those higher quality images quicker. These benefits have been gained all while reducing the size, power consumption, and bandwidth of the cameras capturing these images. Image processing's growth can also be attributed to some megatrends we have seen throughout the world, including Industry 4.0, edge processing, and artificial intelligence. As we are seeing AI become more and more talked about in news and in the industry, it's important to evaluate where we are and where we are going. A study from BMWi stated that 6% of German businesses are using AI, but 77% say AI is important or essential. A study from PwC showed that just 6% of companies are using or implementing AI. And a study from Bitcom said that a large majority sees AI as a big change, but just 9% are using it. All of these studies essentially come to the same conclusion, that AI is going to be essential in future business, but not many companies know where to start, which is where we come in with our product, the AX. The Bomber AX series smart camera is a Bomber quality camera integrated with a NVIDIA Jetson board, all packaged in an IP rated housing. This camera still has best in class image quality with a Sony sensor. Its all-in-one design can lower the total cost of ownership as there is no separate PC needed, extra cables, or cabinet space. Also, it is extremely flexible, allowing for the owner to use their own software and algorithms for machine learning and artificial intelligence. We believe that the AX is one of the best ways a company can begin using artificial intelligence in their operation because it is simple, powerful, robust, and open. And the AX being open is one of the most important features, especially when it comes to artificial intelligence. With the rate at which AI is developing and changing, you do not want to be locked into a certain system or in a walled garden that might be outdated in just a few years. The AX is a canvas for people to bring their projects to life, and I am so excited to see what people are able to do with this product in the future. Thanks, Mike. I learned a lot talking with Brian and John on how they have been utilizing these cameras. Here's my conversation with them. 
Today, we have two very exciting guests from Event Capture Systems, Brian Mock and John Larkin. Brian Mock and John Larkin share ownership and leadership of Event Capture Systems and have been working together for almost 30 years. Welcome, Brian and John, to the Eyes of Automation podcast sponsored by Bomber. I know we're excited to dive into it. So the first thing I just want to ask to level set is, can you tell us a bit more about Event Capture Systems or ECS, as we'll refer to it throughout the podcast, and how you all really exemplify the the title of this podcast, The Eyes of Automation? Yeah, so ECS, Event Capture Systems, John and I started, like you said, Kara, almost 30 years ago as process control. I mean, we were the guys out there in that industry, but we were the ones that installed the systems. We troubleshot the systems. And this was back in the days of analog video, like 30 frames a second, 60 fields. But the concept of what we do is still the same, and that is we're providing the highest quality video to operators or operations, visual data to help them reduce waste, reduce delay, and increase efficiency of the stuff that they're making. So that mandate has always been the same. And we're still using cameras now. They're higher quality. They're gigabit, or in your case, bomber cameras is the front end. We call it the tip of the spear. But we are providing actionable data to help them make what they make better and faster if that's what they need with less waste. And you largely work in pulp and paper, correct? Yeah, um, that's not exactly where we started, but pulp and paper in the late 90s kind of caught on to this. And they are large, large machines, like size of a football field, maybe not quite as wide. And so downtime to them is extremely expensive. So they really are one of the largest users of camera systems when they want to cover their entire process. So um, that's largely where we still are. That'd be non-wovens and pulp and paper and all the associated converting industries that then that large role gets turned into, whether it's cardboard and milk carton, any of the other products that you use, those also have a level of quality control or camera-based quality control on those processes as well. So as we learn a little bit about ECS, can you tell me more about how ECS and Bomber kind of came to be? I'm very lucky where I'm working with you all a little bit further down your journey of partnership together, but uh, how did that kind of start and what makes that so special? So I'll, I'll let John get that one just as a backdrop to that is for the 30 years or so that we've been doing this, most of that time has been spent using either an analog-based camera or what then is called a gigabit Ethernet camera. So Bomber that John is going to talk about introduced sort of the third generation of that capture device that then feeds the computers and the image processing and all that follows. But again, the tip of the spear is that thing that's collecting those billions and billions of, of images and the way that is done is going to dictate, in large part, how the whole solution is going to be built, maintained, and then later upgraded. Yeah, so filling in the blanks for what Brian started off with, um, I kind of spend the time on Brian and I's part looking for new and emerging technologies to help our customers achieve better results. So technology uh, is a big thing for ECS. We've continued to uh, operate for the fact that we come out with technology that nobody else has. So uh, while visiting 
the vision show in Germany, which I think this was the first time I went. I talked to Brian. We're like, let's go. So that was about seven years ago. Ran into Doug and Robert with Bomber. I was about three quarters of the way through the show. And similar to all prior boots, I kind of expected to hear that there's no chance that they've got the solution we're looking for. So I expressed to them what we were looking for in the next generation of ECS cameras. Told them the camera needed to support several key tasks, high frame rate, compress images into JPEG, run image processing routines on images, programmable by ECS, and the big one supported by Gigi Network. So putting out all that on the table, which I had done at all the previous shops, I was um, at this point, sure, I was hunting for a unicorn and anticipating the short answer, no. <laughs> so to my surprise, they walked me over to the corner of the booth where they had an LXG model camera on display. Camera was a game changer and it met all the points on our wish list. This camera started a great relationship with Bomber, which expanded a few years later with the addition of new cameras, the VLXT and the VAX, providing increased performance and integration. It is so kind of mind-blowing to me personally that it was just this trade show that you guys were like, yeah, we're going to go, and then got to the Bomber booth and to still work, I still work today with Doug and Robert and you all too. So to know that that relationship has been continued is great, but uh, I'm glad that we ended up being kind of that unicorn, so to speak, that, that you guys were looking for. So you talk about the LXG and, and some of the cameras that you've, you've utilized from Bomber. Um, what would you say is really the competitive edge of these bomber cameras in your applications? That's a great question because without the bomber camera, we can't talk about the next three or four pillars that we have to do in order to give our end users a solution that has solution sustainability. These are quality control devices that have to work 24 seven and they need to work for years upon years upon years without a constant upgrade, without a constant degradation of the computers that the data is stored on. And that's been the past of the technology is that every five to maybe seven, even as much as 10 years, the companies go in and rip out the system sometimes as a whole, and they replace the entire system. It's very expensive. It's very time consuming. And the bomber front end helps us to remove that entire barrier, that entire detriment to the solution they were trying to provide. I mean, even a system that you replace every five or seven years, it still has value, but what if we could go back to the industry and say, you know what, there's a different way of doing this. And that's what we've seen over the past 30 years is that a, a large amount of just let's replace the whole thing. Because these camera systems have been, up until about 10 years ago, more of a want than a need. And we're finding that in today's manufacturing environment, as we speak from uh, pulp and paper and non-wovens, and if you want to remain competitive in today's environment, you have got to have a high level of quality control, a high level of efficiency or OEE, as, as we call it in the industry. But you've got to do it in a way that has a sustained solution. So the operators see the same screen. And when the system goes down in the middle of the night, <laughs> which it will, 
who are you going to call? Of course, the one that made the, the system potentially, but how long does it take to get that system to work again? What is the most expensive spare part? Is it an off-the-shelf configuration or is it proprietary? Uh, what's the most expensive spare part? I think I might mention that. So we're going to take all of those factors in there that guess what? Nobody that uses the system at our end users, they aren't always thinking about that. They just want the system to stay on and they want it to provide the answers they need day in and day out. So in the backdrop bomber, what they've allowed us to do to what John said, his wish list or our wish list was this. We had to remove the heavy lifting from those computers that are in some interface cabinet that are way off from that machine. So past systems, the camera was just a passive provider of the data and all that care data would then get sent down through the ethernet backbone to a whole bunch of specialized computers that did that one thing, compress the video, store the video, and then do image processing routines to then extract from those billions of frames specific data that would be valuable to the specific operator in that operating condition. So Bomber helped us to do these four things. Number one, if the processing is not done in the computers, it's now done in the camera, all right? That's the smart camera, that's awesome. So our backend can then be virtualized. And John will talk more about that, um, but that means that we don't need specific purpose-built computers anymore. And those same computers could also be in the IT farm, in the server farm of the department that that mill already has. So when the computer goes down, their existing personnel that are already taking care of the computers can also take care of that server farm part of the system. So their downtime almost may be minimalized as it minimalized as it pertains to the computers. The second part comes down to resolution. If we can compress the video, Kara, obviously at the camera, we can shove a lot more data down that pipe than we can if it's a non-compressed image. More pixels is not always the answer, but if we can provide you with more pixels, <laughs> and then the other one that the smart camera can do too is the chip quality that you use for the front end of that camera, the CMOS sensor is one that we've never really been able to use before, and it's spectacular. So I tell you, it's not just the quantity of pixels that the Bomber camera provides, the quality is outstanding. So that means that of the pixels that, because at the end of the day, it's we call it a, a paired technology, yeah, the system does decide a lot of the data that then gets presented, but at the end of the day, there's a large part of the data that is still needing to be reviewed by a human. The human has to look at these images, and obviously, if the clearer those pixels are, the more what did that thing do kind of questions can be answered in order for them to correct the action so it does not repeat itself. So we're talking about quality, talking about quantity, talking about the fact that the camera can do all of that work at the camera, which is, allows us to simplify the overall, overall architecture. And that means that the back end can be virtualized. So when you put all that together, that means that there's a system that can be maintained for much longer. And another word that we use for that is future-proofing the technology. So we fully expect for these systems to be running 10 plus years easily out there in the field with minimal upgrading because of the virtualization backing. Right. And that's also interesting from the point of future proofing and solution sustainability, where you talk about things can go wrong at a mill, right? Also being able to replace the pieces that something is going wrong at instead of redoing an entire solution. That's been something that's been a little bit simplified as well, correct? It's amazing. All right. Let's just look upon as a story what would have happened two, maybe five years ago when 
a quality control camera-based system goes down, 50% or more, we know the data suggests that it's a hard drive or some part of that computer has failed. Right. And depending on which computer, it might be what we call the main or the master or the console. Every sort of competitor has their own name for it. But that may take the entire system down. And what then happens? They call the vendor that supplied. The vendor says, well, do you have the spare part? Well, we don't have the spare part. Well, how long does it take for the spare part to get there? Well, that spare part may be not just the computer. It could be the hard drive or the switch. I'm just telling you a story because that could take weeks for that thing to get together. So why is this computer system outside of what we call the IT boundary? That is that boundary where you've already got people within that boundary means that our camera should be talking to the same computers that run the rest of the mill, not a bank of computers that's way out there. So downtime is a, a huge frustration. They can still make their product in some cases without the quality control. They don't want to because they may have to then have that product be returned. So there's always a detriment. It depends on how large that detriment is when that quality control system is not working. So then you have to ask the mill, you know, what do you do when it happens and it goes down? So the Balmer camera helps us to use the mill existing equipment as one scenario. That means that number one, that computer system has been monitored by all kinds of devices that all their other processes are being monitored on so that they will know potentially downtime before it occurs. So they don't take the whole system down. I think my point is, is from a $200 hard drive that failed, right? I mean, that's the weakest link should not be that. Right. And I think anyone in the industry, even outside of mills can uh, empathize with how critical any amount of downtime can be. Also too, in terms of the future proofing of what we've done, you know, Bomber was able to take us into a new level of digital camera technology with the LXG, LXT, and the VAX that we took uh, analog system, elevated it to Gigi, and we took it from Gigi to the smart camera technology. But every one of those platforms are backwards compatible in our solution. So we were able to take advantage of all the new technologies that have emerged since both Brian and I started in 96 doing this to today. Hey, John, can you bounce one more time on the, um, the IT boundary? What are some other things that, you know, you've come across too about the security and sort of the new sheriff in town that has to be recognized and what Bomber allows us to do? Yeah. So with the heightened risk here in the past four to five years of cyber attacks and, you know, with Westrock and the ransomware, um, that kind of set it off where all of the corporations that we're dealing with are having their IT involved in our solutions and others that put devices out on the network uh, heavily to make sure that their access is controlled. Uh, goals being to remove uh, the threats by controlling access to the networks and standardizing server hardware is one of the big things now by using virtualized solutions. So part of our key steps to moving towards virtualized solutions has been the use of the Bomber smart camera technology. Um, smart camera technology or what others may call edge computing offloads the processing of the host. Um, so we don't have to have this high horsepower PC in Iraq that the mill IT can provide a simple 
virtualized server that we define and allows us to give them greater control over what we do. And that controls people's access and ultimately uh, prevents them from having a next cyber attack. John, you mentioned something too that was really important. And that is this thing we call it upgradability or backwards compatibility. A lot of times, if we talk about that life cycle being five to some number plus that, that means at the end of that life cycle, you rip out the old technology and start from scratch. What John was saying is that, and even today, <laughs> we have systems out there that part of it may be an analog camera that's feeding this virtualized computer. Another part of those cameras may be a gigabit Ethernet camera. And then maybe where their most important positions are that require the highest resolution, the highest quality of data, that's going to be the Balmer camera also connected to that same virtualized server. So what we're saying is when we go in and we talk to the partnerships we have, we're like, you don't need to rip out all these positions. Let's dedicate the money where your most important process controls are. And let's put the new camera there and everything else can kind of stay the same until you have the budget or maybe you have the time in order to upgrade those to a Balmer camera, but you don't have to do all cameras at once. And the, the name we give that is called ECS Smart Flex. And that is, it's the software that's virtualizable and allows you to kind of feed most any type of camera signal into that software so that then at that point, we can store the video, we can analyze the video, and then we can present that data to the operator so they can make the best decisions possible. Right. Without it being a capital project. <laughs> I mean, right. When it comes to cost for what we can mention, I mean, some of these systems can be half a million to a million dollars when they're said and done. That is sort of the cost of the equipment plus the cost of its install. And these are large corporations, but they don't typically have that kind of money sitting around in their budget waiting to be spent for quality control when it comes to camera-based systems. So we find a lot of mills are really stuck. They're like, we don't know what to do. We need it, but we can't start from scratch. So from Balmer, just and, and to say it again differently, allows us the flexibility to say it's okay. Keep what you've got, but let's add this new technology in these particular places to get you better data than what you have already had. Or in some cases, you know, if it's old enough system, the computers that they used to use just don't work anymore. So the front end is still providing data, still providing images, but their old computer system is dead. So we're going in there saying, it's good. Do you have computers on site that we can virtualize? Or what computers do you use? Are they Dell? Are they HPs? What's your standard? Um, you go get those. We'll virtualize that computer set. And then we're going to be able to input those existing, what we call the front end, those are the cameras, into that new virtualized server. And again, add bombers where we need to. So that gives them a whole neat, uh, gives them maybe a whole new lease on life without having to start back at the chalkboard again. Right. Which I think probably across the board, but particularly in this industry, if you're not keeping up with those types of things, that could inevitably make you irrelevant. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And even one of our mills, they've been a customer since 97, I think, 97. Mm -hmm. um, they're on their fourth or fifth revision of software hardware um but since we went to gigi pretty much everything has been somewhat the same in terms of computers it's all network-based cameras but in terms of 
what they were getting before were just standard legacy giggy cameras to when we started using the bomber cameras, I was able to go into their installation and where they were having issues. And normally the upstream camera paper machine is where you start to see smaller defects that are causing larger defects at the dry end of the machine that they weren't able to see with the Gigi camera, either due to resolution, frame rate, or quality of image because the sensor wasn't as good. But I was able to put a bomber camera in and instantly able to see the actual defect and the cause of the break. So it it it's it makes it very simple for us to take an existing install, walk in, and show them instantly how much better they can get their system with very minimal work on their part. Kind of to Brian's point that they don't have to do a major capital expenditure. It's a simple change out of a single camera. And you put those in the more key positions where defects are smaller and more um, difficult to see with lower resolution cameras. And because it is the smart camera, I can use it on the exact same network that a standard Gigi camera would have been running. Whereas if I took that same high resolution camera with that frame rate and tried to run it over that same network, I would have to have a lot more networking horsepower and a lot more processing power on the host PC. So it, there's a lot of pieces in that that go into play that when we just say smart camera can get overlooked. The smart camera does a lot of the workload to eliminate all the pitfalls of trying to do that same work over a network and over uh, on the host PC. Right. It really simplifies and makes that an easier transition. And then you noted it as well, an easier upgrade. As we talk about a listener who is either just starting their machine vision journey or getting interested in it, or even hoping to move to AI technology in their cameras, what would you say to someone about that? What would you say to someone asking, should we do this now? Is it worth it? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts around that? What we're finding is that we're still in the infancy of the AI, if you want to call it boom, as it relates to bringing in images and then making a decision from those images. But what we have seen is that there's simply some quality control requirements that can't be done without the aid of AI, whether we like it or not. Um, so we got to jump into that. We got to jump into that pool. And some of the concerns that we get into, though, that we have gotten into for years is that is this bleeding edge or leading edge and these mills and industries that we deal with are somewhat conservative at times and they want the solution simply to work and aren't concerned as much with what goes in between the two end blocks, as we call it, end to end. To end. AI is going to continue to provide a tremendous benefit, a windfall of quality control solutions. So we're just trying to get in front of it. And we've already had some experiences on a couple projects, Carol, where we have been working with it for three to five years and are just now getting to the point where we can install something that will provide a signal, as we call it, that allows the mill to make a decision with data, in this case, data derived from an AI engine in there that they did not have before. Is it all the data they want? No, but is it a level of data that's actionable 
that gives them something that they didn't have, the answer is yes, and it's real. What you've seen over those, you were saying kind of three to five years is this is your journey that you started then. Right. So if people are kind of at the beginning of their journey, jump in, jump into that pool, start doing it, get involved with it and kind of see where it can fit. It's well, people who if it's not bleeding edge, I suppose it's all, you know, when I say bleeding edge, it's funny. Anyone that knows me, this is my first or second favorite saying fail fast to fix faster. And I know that's not my saying. We all know it. And you've got to fail fast or fail. And a lot of what we've been doing is figuring out ways that it did not work. And the other aspect of this is that in these three to five years, the AI technology, the application, the hardware that it runs on has changed a gazillion times over. So you're constantly changing your trajectory on the tools that you need to get them. I go back to that same point, the highest level of actionable data that is consistent. And so the other question in there you're going to ask or so this AI, this magic black box we talk about, it's actually very susceptible to a lot of problems that have nothing to do with AI. So there are three to four building blocks that I'll go through that any one of those, I also call them legs of a kitchen stool. If you remove one of those legs, kitchen stool falls over. One of those legs of the four or five or how many I come up with sometimes is the AI, but the other ones are equally as important that if not working, AI doesn't do anything. Right. So, yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that Bomber brings to the table that many others don't that are kind of later to the game in this um, smart camera technology is really the packaging. Yeah. You've got Bomber who went out, put together a camera, not just a camera that can interface with some MIPI, whatever interface to a NVIDIA board, but an actual complete camera that from end to end is ready to go. And you can program it how you need it. So it's, you know, in terms of what Bomber's putting together, it's the complete solution. Um, if you're going to get into this, you got to decide, do you have the engineering wherewithal to create a solution like that? Whereas we don't want to be a camera manufacturer. That's not, that's not our knowledge base. That's not what we do. So partnering with somebody like Bomber provides that, that expertise that we don't have and need. Right. And I think probably I'd imagine one of those, uh, legs that Brian is talking about too is, you know, having the dedicated engineer or whoever to be able to get that started and work with it and learn with it and go on that three to five year journey of failing <laughs> fast and, and learning even faster. And of course we'd want to shorten that and work together and, and figure it out. But um yeah, you need the dedicated resources who who know their stuff and, and want to keep learning new things. Once we get that roadmap down, though, and John's point of we depend on Bomber to provide that engineering so we can then understand what application it's going in, right? The GUI that ultimately provides the information to the operator. But then other quality control issues that come up, we've already determine the building blocks for the pipeline and they'll be much easier to bring into fruition to finally provide that actionable data. So a story that I have is the chip inspection one that we're doing, Kara. Um, And that is where you've got these chips in a paper mill that are maybe a mile away from where the paper is actually being made. 
and they're asking us to determine a level of quality of those chips and their 24 7 chips are always moving into a big digester as john would say to make mashed potatoes and if you don't make the mashed potatoes right they're lumpy and lumpy potatoes we don't like them and they're horrible for the paper machine so we've been asked to develop a way to keep the lumps out of the mashed potatoes but there's a lot of elements to this that the ai it can be done without ai but the thing is is that this camera is in the middle of a horrible place and there's no way to get the data from where the chip inspection is being done to where this computer is that an operator looks at it to make some decisions on the process of what that is so you've got to be able to pack as much edge computing as you can i've got to be able to install the single camera in this place and it's got to be able to do everything and just send out a signal that says this is the data of the chip in terms of what they're looking for any other architecture it's going to die it may work for a week, but on that eighth day, it's not going to do what it needs to do. And so the mill is going to be like, dude, it was great for seven days or eight days, and then it doesn't work. Somebody's on a plane again, or a mill technician from the mills out there has no idea what the technology is, is trying to fix this thing. And if I mentioned it was 24-7, how do you fix something that's over a moving conveyor line of 300 and some odd feet per minute that moves as much as 20 size Olympic pools per day underneath that camera? These things can't fail. Um, so those are the legs of the kitchen stool. We've got to get the data. And what happens if that the camera gets dirty? What happens if the image isn't clean? You can't put bad images into an AI model. It just spits out bad information. So you got to get the images. You got to keep it clean. You got to transmit the data. And the data has to be very, very, very good. And then once it's there, that's kind of like the end of the game. But ironically, that's where AI begins. You Just getting the image is one of the hardest parts. <laughs> and then you can deploy this magic, which extracts from all of those images, from billions of images, one important signal that's telling the mill something that they don't already know. But it's only AI that's able to do that. Yeah. And I think you touched on something that we've kind of had conversations about where acquiring data is such a key piece of it. Getting those billions yeah. of images is such a key piece when people um, often talk about what they can do with data, but not necessarily how they're going to get that data. And so I think making sure you know how you're getting your data and that it is good and clean images and so that you're not just feeding it into AI and getting bad answers um, is a piece that sometimes gets missed or, or overlooked. Yeah, whenever part of what we do care is we do automate a process and that means we're going to walk away we as humans from it and if it's automating and giving wrong information how are we going to know and so there's a level of trust that the overall end-to-end -end solution has been trained well enough has been built well enough so that it doesn't as we say get out of the swim lane or off the rails and starts because you know what happens and we've seen it a gazillion times when these automated systems stop producing actionable data or make the process run worse what does the mill do they, they they turn it off and then they don't turn it back on again sometimes ever so you know there's a tremendous amount of money and effort and investment as well as time to make these silos that then don't have a very long lifetime because at some point it just didn't work very well and they didn't have time to fight the fire you know to make the thing that's supposed to make the other fires less they didn't have time to fight that fire, so they're like, turn it off. Right. So in environments that you're talking about where there's 
already so much going on and a mill might potentially even shut off their vision system as soon as it stops working and never turn it back on again. How do you go to a mill and really differentiate ECS and how you're using the bomber cameras in a way that gets them excited about machine vision again? Well, in terms of the mills that are having difficulty, decided to shut off their system, a lot of what we find is poor implementation, bad cameras, not able to see what they want to see. So there's a lot of different things. How we can go into a installation where somebody has said, you know what, I'm done with cameras to try and turn them around is showing them what the camera can do and how it can be easily integrated into their existing system network and give them results that they originally wanted probably never got because of how the original system was implemented. Um, while Gigi was great back in 2003, 2004, when it came out, the limitation is the network. And a lot of the solutions that have been put out there, including some of our old ones, that network limitation was was really the bottleneck. So you couldn't get high resolution and high frame rate. You got one or the other. So in order to, on some other solutions, add in an additional camera, you have to change out your whole network or add additional switches to be able to add newer, higher resolution or frame rate over what you were achieving before with Gigi because Gigi takes so much of your network. It is truly taken up a whole gigabit of data pipe on a network. Whereas with the smart camera, I can take a camera that's got higher resolution, higher frame rate, all combined in the camera, throw it into an existing Gigi network and still have room for more cameras taking out just one camera within that network. So it allows a much simpler network architecture implementation of more cameras into an existing system network and ultimately the customer is happy because I'm seeing more of what I wanted to see originally and at very little cost to do so. That brings up an interesting point, John, about, about cost. And that is the smart camera has a higher cost point than traditional gigabit ethernet cameras. So what we're having the conversation at the same time with the mill is it's kind of what we call the long game. And that is, we want this to be the last camera you install for a longer time and that it's able to grow with your system. Whereas the original gigabit ethernet technology, however great and however it modified the industry. Cause remember we started with 30 um, frames, 60 fields. The maximum resolution at 60 is actually 240 by 640. That's 150,000 pixels. That's our maximum resolution we could possibly do at 60 frames a second or 60 pictures back in 1998. Now we're talking about millions of pixels. And gigabit ethernet, however great, got us halfway or some number there. Smart cameras is that next place that we can still go into existing installs and then give you the best of new technology without having to rip out everything in order to get there. The Balmer camera is a more expensive camera, but mills understand that and they're willing to invest in the technology because they clearly see the ROI of that is much, much greater than a less expensive traditional gigabit ethernet camera for the reasons that we've mentioned. The way John explains the network, what I think about is it's like driving an 18 wheeler 
down a potted gravel road at 60 miles an hour. You can do it, all right? And you're probably going to get down the road some of the times, but you're going to make a huge mess. And that's that's kind of like what we're asking these existing networks to do as the mills add more cameras. They want higher resolution and frame rate, which Don mentioned you can only get one or the other with the traditional legacy gigabit Ethernet technology. Bomber allows us to take a less than perfect road <laughs> and drive that 18 wheeler at full speed down that road and do it consistently without error every time. Because one thing I hope you've listened is that we can provide good data every once in a while. We've got to provide great data all the time. Okay. That's the consistency. And it's the bomber platform that allows us to do both of that. Fantastic. Well, it has been amazing having you both here today. Um, as we kind of wrap up, are there any final thoughts for our listeners um, before we, we close out here today? Um, look forward to seeing what Bomber has to offer this coming fall at the new Vision Show in Germany. Yes, hopefully uh, some exciting things that you'll stumble upon uh, what will be the seventh time around. <laughs> yeah, I think one important lesson we've learned and that is choosing the right partner in your technologies just like mills partner with a vision provider we partner with bomber and it's the relationship that we've had that have helped us change the way that we've had a footprint in the industry and that's coming from the decision to that john kind of ran into at the trade show seven years ago was surprised and it's been a great partnership ever since yeah well, and you speak to partnership and on our end, obviously, we're grateful for this partnership as well and to be able to have these kind of conversations with you both. But also, even when you think about the longstanding history of 30 years together, um, I think that ECS is an incredible example of, you know, why partnership really matters in the long run. Any other places where our listeners can find you both anything that anywhere they can go to continue to connect with yourselves ecs what you all are doing we hope we have many more podcasts with you kara to awesome you on how bomber is still the tip of the spear and the exciting challenges that we're able to solve and provide data to our users ecs at least has a quarterly what we call chalk talk which is where we stand in front of a clear glass or a chalkboard and we literally draw out the challenges and the solutions to have real talk on what's going on in the industry in this case as it relates to paper and non-wovens and how they're using and succeeding with machine vision to solve some of the hardest problems that they've got from a quality control standpoint awesome so, you know uh, we would look on our website for the advertisements of that chalk talk Thank you both again so much for being here. Um, I look forward to talking to you soon and seeing you soon, hopefully. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you too. Thanks. I want to take a moment to thank our guests, Brian Mock and John Larkin from Event Capture Systems and our industry expert today, Mike Nagel. And of course, thank you all for listening to the first episode of The Eyes of Automation. See you soon.